Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us of our trespasses in the same way that we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Last week we started our series on the Sermon on the Mount. And we began by kind of talking about the idea of Jesus bringing his kingdom here to this earth. And we just prayed it. Bring your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. And we started talking about what the kingdom's all about. It's living as God's people here on this earth now and waiting for the full coming of the kingdom later on when Christ returns in his glory. But something we didn't talk about is who's a part of this kingdom? What does it mean to be in the kingdom? Like who gets to be in? Who gets to join Jesus' club, if you will? It's way more than that, but that's a way to look at it. Who gets to join Jesus' club? Who gets to be in his kingdom? And like most things with Jesus, he takes what we already think we know and kind of turns it on its head. And he begins the Sermon on the Mount with what we call the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes are kind of a declaration of who belongs in his kingdom. Who's going to be in his kingdom? Who's blessed in Jesus' kingdom? Some people call them the Declaration of Blessedness. So it starts out, before he even begins teaching, with just a declaration of who is part of my kingdom. And we find that in Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 3. And Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. So they persecuted the prophets who were before you. When Jesus gives his declaration of who belongs in his kingdom, it's nothing like any other part of the world would say belongs in their kingdom. Like these, aren't, these aren't the most popular people. These aren't the most confident people. These aren't the people who are of high power. These are more of the lowly people. And nowhere else in the world, no other society, no other culture would say, all right, these are the people we want. These are the people who belongs. But then Jesus does. The world may declare that the rich are blessed, the powerful are blessed, the intelligent are blessed, the wise are blessed, the money-hungry are blessed, the healthy are blessed, the happy are blessed, the confident are blessed. But Jesus says the poor in spirit are blessed, the mourners are blessed, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness or justice, they're blessed. Those who show mercy are blessed in Jesus' kingdom. Those who are pure in heart, those who make peace, those who are persecuted, they're blessed in Jesus' kingdom. 
the people that Jesus invites to be a part of his kingdom is completely different from anything else that the world has known. These kind of people aren't the people who typically receive invitations. Other kingdoms aren't inviting them, saying, come be a part of my kingdom. These are the people that you give an advice to the king, and you tell them, you don't want these people in your kingdom. They're not going to do you any good. They can't give you anything. You're not going to benefit from these people. These people are the people who normally aren't going to receive the invites to be a part of something special. But Jesus says, these people are blessed in my kingdom. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And there's a lot of different ways you can look at what poor in spirit means, but those who are poor at being spiritual, the spiritually bankrupt, some call them. In a world where the Pharisees, the religious elites, they kind of, they claim to have a monopoly on religion, on who's in and who's out. And they think they know what they're talking about. And then you have the poor in spirit, those who aren't good at being spiritual. Think of people who, maybe they don't know what's in the Bible the best. They don't know the story of the Bible that great. They can't name the books of the Bible. They're not the people you'd ask to say a prayer or preach a sermon. And if you did, they'd probably faint. These people aren't the best at being spiritual. They have nothing to offer to the world's eyes. But Jesus says the kingdom of God's for them, too. They're invited to my kingdom, the poor in spirit. Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn. These people probably don't have a lot going for them. They're going through tragedies in life that bring them to tears, bring them to weeping, they're mourning. Maybe they have bad relationships, bad marriage. Maybe they've been through a divorce. Maybe they've lost a job, don't have anywhere to go. Maybe they're homeless, and they're in a mourning state. What do these people have to offer? They have nothing going for them. The world would say, these are just the losers. We don't want anything to do with them. But Jesus says, the kingdom of God is for them too. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek. The, being meek is defined as being quiet, gentle, easily imposed upon, submissive. The people who are meek, these are the people who are beaming with self-confidence. They don't think they have all the answers. If you, ask them, if you ask them something, they're not confident in their answer. They're shy. They're easily manipulated. They don't stand up for themselves. And the world says, what do these people have to offer? If you're meek, it's going to be pretty hard to climb up the power ladder. You're not going to make it far in life with a meek personality. If you have a kingdom, you're not going to be inviting the meek to it. You're not going to ask them to be part of it. You're not going to say, they're blessed in my kingdom. Because what do they have to offer? But Jesus says the kingdom of God is for them. Jesus wants the meek in his kingdom as well. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Righteousness is a word that we don't really know what to do with a lot of the time because we don't really know what it means all that often. We, think it, we can take it to mean doing what's right all the time, being perfect, doing the right thing. Another way to look at righteousness in this instance is the word justice. And it's not the way we use justice a lot in our society. A form of punishment or them getting what they deserve. But when the Bible uses justice, it's often talking about setting things right. Setting things the way they're supposed to be. 
Those who hunger and thirst for this righteousness, this justice. Those who hunger and thirst for things to finally be set right, which is the mission God's been set out on ever since humans decided to turn away in the Garden of Eden. They know the world's not the way it's supposed to be. So they don't partake in the ways of the world. The ways to get power that the world offers. The ways to get money that the world may offer them. Instead, they don't, they don't hunger and thirst for power. They don't hunger and thirst for money. They don't hunger and thirst for ways that are sinful. They hunger and thirst for things to be set right once again. And again, these people probably aren't going to have much to offer. Because who finds power in our world? It's those who have that hunger and thirst for power, for money. They're striving for greatness, to be on top. But Jesus says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for things to be set right, for the righteous, those who hunger and thirst for it. Jesus says, Blessed are the merciful. Again, a group of people who aren't going to make it well in this world. If you do them wrong, the world says, Get them back. Be on top. Show them who's dominant. Show them that you're the boss. Jesus teaches mercy. Jesus teaches forgiveness. Those who show mercy, again, these people are easily taken advantage of. Because someone wrongs you and you just forgive them? Well, that's a problem in our world. Because then they'll just wrong you again. But Jesus says, blessed are the merciful. These merciful people who society doesn't want. The kingdom is for them. It's for these people. Blessed are the pure in heart, Jesus says. These people aren't right all the time. They don't get it all right. They're not perfect people. But where's their heart? It's pure. And much like people who are hungry and thirsting for justice or righteousness, they're not going to partake in the evil ways of the world because their heart's pure. Their heart's in a right place. And having a pure heart's not going to get you far in life, I hate to tell you. In the way that we look at life, the way society looks at the world, being, having a pure heart's not going to get you very far. Because again, you're not going to be taking advantage of people. You're not going to fight back when people take advantage of you. You're going to show mercy. The world has nothing to do with these people. It has nothing to gain from people like this. But Jesus says, these people are who I want in my kingdom. Blessed are them. Blessed are the peacemakers. You can't trust a peacemaker. The world can't trust a peacemaker. They don't take sides. If you strike them on the right cheek, they're not going to strike back. So if you have a peacemaker on your side, and another side wrongs you, that peacemaker is not going to fight back against the other side. So how can you trust them? They're not out to get vengeance. They're not out to get revenge. They're out to make peace. What do these people have to offer in our world in this day and age? Not a lot. You're not going to get far with a peacemaker. But Jesus says, blessed are them. My kingdom is for these people. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Maybe the least likely on this list of the people you'd want in your kingdom. Those who are persecuted. 
all the above that we've talked about, they're going to, things that we've said that the world envies, the world likes, the world can profit off of, these people aren't going to partake in that. And said so they'd rather be persecuted than following those ways. And today we don't know persecution like the people in this time knew persecution. Where they're crucified or thrown to the lions and things like that. But yet, even at this time, Jesus says, blessed are those. Blessed are the persecuted. These are the people I want in my kingdom. The declaration of who belongs in Jesus' kingdom. It's not like anything the world would want in their kingdom. It's not, it's not the people that any other kingdom would want. When Jesus is establishing his kingdom and saying who's a part of it, he names all the wrong people in the world's eyes. And doesn't name any of the right people. He doesn't name the strong, the arrogant, the confident, the rich, the powerful, the, the charismatic. He forgets all about them. And he says, my kingdom's for these people, the lowly, the ones the world looks down on. They have nowhere else to go. And that's one, that's one of the reasons they were so drawn to Jesus. Because the world, who else is going to accept these people? But Jesus Christ, the Son of God. They have nowhere else to go. And finally, there's a kingdom offering them hope too. Who doesn't look down on them? Who doesn't spit in their face? These people have a place to go to. And lucky for them, it's the kingdom of the Son of God himself, the Lord of all. Now, this might be a little confusing because of last week's lesson, where we said the main thing Jesus is teaching, he's saying, I'm going to teach these things, and I want you to actually do them. I'm not just telling you that you're, you're weak and you need me. That's part of it. But I'm telling you to actually do these things. We saw that when he talked about the, the man who built his house on the firm foundation versus the man who built his house on the sand. Those who actually do what I say, those who have a firm foundation. Those who don't are the fools. So because of that, it can be easy to say, well, I have to go find ways to be meek. I have to go find ways to mourn. I have to go find ways to be poor in spirit. But this beginning part's a little different. In the Beatitudes, Jesus isn't saying, he's not teaching, do this, do that. That'll come a little bit later in the sermon. But at the very beginning, he's just starting off with a declaration of who is in this kingdom. Clarifying, who's this for? My kingdom's different from the kingdoms of the world, from the empires of the world. The principalities and powers that the Bible calls them. My kingdom's different, so he starts out saying, who belongs? He's just declaring, he's not saying, go be poor in spirit. Go mourn. Go find ways to be persecuted. And while that's not what he's saying, while he's not, while he's not commanding us to go do these things, I think that as followers of Christ, when we encounter Christ, these things will just fall into place at times. Now he's not commanding us, again, he's not commanding us to go out and be poor in spirit. Go out and live like these people I described in the Beatitudes. But once we encounter Christ, these things will just become like side effects. That wasn't our main intention to go out and be like this. But after we encounter Christ and choose to follow Him, these things are like side effects. They're part of the territory in a way. 
Blessed are the poor in spirit. Once we encounter Christ and are part of his kingdom, once we know who he is, then we realize we're all poor in spirit. Even who we call the most spiritual, we're nothing. Our self-righteousness and our spirituality gets us nowhere without the saving grace of Jesus Christ. So we're all poor in spirit. All who are in his kingdom, we're poor in spirit. We can't do it on our own. It's not enough what we have to offer. We have to follow him. Blessed are those who mourn. Once we encounter Christ, we'll all experience times of mourning. We'll realize we're not just supposed to act happy all the time. We'll realize that he's on a mission to make things right again. And that the world's not in the right place right now. The world's not the way it's supposed to be. Just turn on the news and you'll, you'll see plenty of that. And it leads us to times of mourning. Of the state, of the way that things are. Of the state the world's in. Once we encounter Christ, we'll see the better life that is to offer. And then we'll look at the world and we have to mourn at the shape it's in. Blessed are the meek. You may be the most confident person, the most outspoken person. But once you encounter Christ, you know that's going to get you nowhere. Because you can't compare to Him. So we're all drawn to meekness once we encounter Christ. We're all called to submitting to Him. We're all called to being to gentleness. We're all called to take times to be quiet and just reflect on who He is and not pretend we have all the answers and just to bow in His glory and be reverent at the thought of Him. Once we encounter Christ, we become meek compared to who He is. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Once we encounter Christ, we know that we are now part of that mission that he set out to make things right again. Way back in the beginning, the humans decided to turn and define what's good and what's evil on their own. And out of God's mercy and graciousness, he decided that he's going to go out on a mission to set things right, starting with Abraham. And he promised that through you, the whole world is going to be set right again eventually, through your seed. And now as part of Jesus' kingdom, we're part of that mission. We're called to live out the ways of the Sermon on the Mount. And the way that things were intended to be, we're part of making that come about again. We're called to those, the original way that God intended things to be. We're set on making things right. Once again, once and for all. We're part of that mission now, once we encounter Christ. Blessed are the merciful. Once we encounter Christ, we have no choice to be merciful. Merciful. There's no other way to go. If we're following Him, the ultimate act of mercy, we killed Him, we murdered Him on a cross for being good. And do you remember what He said while He's on the cross? He doesn't say, Father, get these people back. Father, have vengeance on these people. He says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. 
And if we claim to be followers of Him, we have to be merciful in the same way. Once we encounter Christ, we have no choice but to be merciful people. Blessed are the pure in heart. Once we encounter Christ and claim to be part of His kingdom, we let Him and His love fill our heart. And if God's what's filling your heart, the only true, pure being imaginable, if God's what's in our heart, then our heart has no choice but to be pure because it's filled with God. Purity itself. The embodiment of purification, if you will. Blessed are the peacemakers. Again, once we encounter Christ, there's no other way to go. We look at the way he lived. We look at the things he taught. The guards came in fighting against him. They had their swords drawn. And Jesus rebukes his disciples for trying to fight back. We'll see Jesus teaching later in the Sermon on the Mount. Don't retaliate. Turn the other cheek. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Be peacemakers. Don't keep the fight going on. Once we encounter Christ and experience what he has to offer, there's no way to go but to be a peacemaker. And then blessed are those who are persecuted. While today in our time right now we don't experience the persecution that they experience at this time, once we encounter Christ, there'll be people who think you're crazy. There'll be people who think the ways of Christ are ridiculous. I mean, just things we've talked about today. You're going to choose peace instead of war? What are you going to get out of that? Are you going to choose meekness instead of being the most confident person you can be? You're going to mourn instead of trying to be happy all the time? You're going to be merciful instead of getting vengeance? Well, the world looks at this and says it's ridiculous. It's crazy. Who would do that? Well, those who encounter Christ choose to do that. Because like we said last week, if we don't take Jesus seriously as a teacher and follow him, then we don't take Jesus seriously at all. We can't just, we can't just declare him as Lord and hope that he'll save us and then ignore the rest, the rest of Jesus. We've got to take Jesus seriously in all ways, in all facets of life. Once we encounter Christ, we're completely changed. His kingdom isn't it's not established to make the powerful more powerful, the rich more rich, the elevated even more elevated. His kingdom's for those who trust in Him. It was for the lowly people. It was to give a real hope that the ways of the world couldn't offer and can't offer even today because our hope is only found in Christ. And once we experience Him, we're led we're led to these ways because there's no other way to go. It just comes naturally. It's a side effect, like I said. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. As followers of Christ, we see the ways of the world and know it's not good. Things definitely aren't great. And we can look at these things and we can mourn. But as David wrote when he composed the 30th Psalm, though there's weeping throughout the night, joy comes in the morning. 
And that's a pretty cool thing to think about. Those weeping through the night, joy comes in the morning. And we're in the night right now. The world's not back the way it's supposed to be yet. But we know that upon Christ's return, when the morning comes, there'll be joy and singing and dancing. and We'll be with Him again. We'll truly be in the presence of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Father, we thank you that you're not like the other kingdoms of the world, the other kings who are out for power, who use violence to get what they want, who are out for wealth. We thank you that you give us a true hope that's for everybody, not just for the elite in the world, but for the, the lowliest well for the meek, for the mourners, for the merciful, for the peacemakers, for everyone, for whosoever will, we thank you. Father, we ask you that you fill our hearts with yourself and draw us more towards you so that we long for these, for these things. We long to be more like this. We long, to, we long for this time when the morning's finally here and joy will come. And we believe in your promise that that time's going to come. Be with us, forgive us, and we thank you for forgiving us. And it's through Jesus Christ, our Lord, that we're able to come to you this morning. Amen.